You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Yeah, thanks for welcoming um, me, uh, Keenan and Sarah, to join you this morning. Um, thanks as well for congratulating me as well as I take up a new role at Cross Culture. Um, just, it's a real privilege to um, have Keenan uh, preach for us today. Um, he's Keenan and his wife Sarah are, are really um, dear members of our church in the city. Um, Keenan also um, helps, uh, he, he leads one of our life groups as well. And part of that in, involves uh, teaching and caring for um, the small group that they're a part of. And as part of um, wanting to encourage Keenan to continue in, in leadership, he's been involved in um, preaching, training, and also getting opportunities to preach like today as well. So really excited to um, hear from him and, and the words that God's given him for, for us this morning. And how about I'll pray for him uh, before he comes up. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for this uh, time as we sit under your word and hear your voice. Um, please empower Canaan by your spirit now um, to speak words of truth and power into our hearts so that we would um, believe Jesus and love him more. And so we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you. Okay, well, good morning, church. Uh, thanks for the pleasure and the honour of being able to bring us around God's word this morning. Um, and also thank you to Devon and the team for, for the opportunity as well. Uh, so I'll just quickly pray as well. Uh, so Lord, we just ask that uh, as we gather around your word, that you'd help us to understand it, that you would uh, allow us to grow together as a family and mature in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, currently my wife and, I, uh, wife and I are patiently waiting for God to, to bless us with children. Uh, it's been difficult waiting, but there is a sense of excitement as I think about what it will be like being a father. The joy of seeing them grow up and learn about the world, how to live and look after themselves, and being able to teach them and help them through those difficult stages in life. Without a doubt, there'll be some lessons that I probably need to learn and probably some maturing along the way as well. But it is a journey that I think is one worth taking, the joy of being part of a family, uh, doing life together and maturing together. And I can tell that as I look around the room this morning, that each of you are also at a different stage of being part of your own families. But all of us have started as a newborn baby without any knowledge or skills dependent on our parents to help us. Yet over time, we deal with these different situations we find ourselves in and we grow up. We become adults with our own skills and knowledge that we can then pass on to others to continue the cycle. And isn't the Christian life very much the same way? Physically, we might be a little older than a newborn baby, but when we accept Christ, we are born again and become, as it were, a tiny baby Christian needing the support of others to help us grow and repeat our own Christian childhood, as it were, to learn how we should live as sons and daughters of God. And so like a tiny baby, a Christian needs to grow up. They need to mature. They can't stay that way for life, even though the parents may want them to stay cute and cuddly. They need that maturity to deal with the situations that they might find themselves in. And hopefully they can avoid being led astray by bad teaching and tricks. 
And so in our Ephesians study so far, Paul is focused on his, our beliefs about who we are as Christians and the many blessings that we have been given by Christ. However, as we turn into chapter 4, Paul changes his view to how we should act as Christians. Since we know who we are, we should therefore act that way, the way that represents who we are. And for the section of scripture we are looking at specifically today, Paul will focus on the need for us to grow up and to be part of Christ's family, to support and help each other with our gifts and to be better. However, being part of a family is not always easy. It can become with arguments and problems, and that is why Paul begins by encouraging us to be a united family. So I wonder if any of you have had to represent someone before. Uh, how did you prepare or act in preparation? Uh, did you do or act differently than you normally would? And were you more careful and cautious about how you did something? So I personally work as a, a data analyst and sometimes have to go to a client's office to get data for my projects. In preparation, I've probably dressed a little fancier than I would at home in my shorts. I've made sure to understand what I'm going for and any questions that I might need to ask. But why did I do that? Well, I did it to make the business I work for look great, not silly, to help the business achieve their goals. And similarly, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received and to do that humbly, gently and patiently. As Christians, we are called to represent Christ. And we do that with our Christian family, each of us playing a part in God's plan. And what better way to represent Christ than by being humble, patient and gentle with our brothers and sisters in Christ first? But you might ask, how am I supposed to be patient with the person sitting behind me in service today kicking my chair? Well, let's remember what Paul mentioned in chapter 2 of Ephesians. He told us that salvation is not something we've earned by doing some good deeds, but rather that it was a gift from God, like we sang about today. It says in verse 8 to 9 that it is by grace we have been saved, through faith. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And this is the type of reminder that helps us to stay patient and humble with each other, knowing that Jesus was definitely patient with us when we first uh, came to know him, when we were still his enemy. And we can be humble knowing that we didn't do anything worthy of being saved, yet it was still given to us by grace. However, being humble and patient with each other isn't enough, particularly if we want to represent Christ to the world around us. No, we need to be a united together, to work together, and to do life together, especially if we want to help each other mature and grow up. Paul encourages us to make every effort to be united as Christ's family, to have peace with each other. And how timely of a message this is for us when the world seems bent on conflict. We take a look at the TV and we hear about different wars and fights that are going on around the world. And apparently, when I was doing some research, uh, in 2022 alone, there are apparently 55 state-based conflicts that we probably even haven't heard about on the news. But yet, it's this conflict-driven world that is a perfect platform for a united church to be a light to the world around us. 
By being one united family, we can raise up baby Christians. We can draw others to know Christ and demonstrate how others could operate in love. Now, theoretically, this uh, should be pretty easy to do, right? Um, And it's probably not, but let's see what Paul says. It says here in in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, There is one body and one spirit. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And so as Christians, we are united because of the common beliefs and values that we hold the desire to love and to serve Christ. In fact, it's in Paul's earliest letter, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 29, he tells the Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek, so there's no racial divides in God's kingdom. There is neither slave nor free, so there's no class divides. And there's neither male nor female, so in God's kingdom there's no gender divides. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so, my friends, you are a small congregation. And whilst you might think it is too small to potentially make an impact, it is this type of congregation that I had the pleasure of growing up in myself. A small, tight-knit family, faithfully using their gifts to help me grow. And in fact, you have a blessing that uh, many larger churches do not get to enjoy the same way. The ability to know each other intimately to identify new people and to demonstrate hospitality and support during tough times. I definitely experienced that this morning when I I entered the church and met Cheryl. And so I encourage you this morning to continue to support each other, to be a representation of unity, patience and humility that other churches can also look to as an example. So then what does unity look like and how are we supposed to grow up and mature? So maybe think about your skills for a moment. Are you good at doing something? Maybe you're a great cook, and I'd love to meet you this morning if you are. Maybe you love numbers and are good at financial things. Or maybe you're good at cheering others up. Or maybe you're a good teacher. All of these things are gifts that God has given to us. The skills, knowledge, and passion we each have for different things in our life. In verse 7... Paul describes that each one of us have been given a certain amount of grace from Christ as he thinks appropriate for each of us. In fact, in verses 8 to 10, we see that when Christ died and then he rose again in victory, rather than keeping all of those gifts to himself as he, he rightly deserved, he shared them with his church so that we might be equipped for God's good works that he has planned for us. And so... As you read through the New Testament, many spiritual gifts are spoken of, and particularly in Paul's many epistles. They come in different shapes and forms, and yet what is clear to us is that Christ gives at least one gift to each of us that will aid the church to grow and develop. So, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter calls each one of us to use whatever gift we have received to serve others. And so I'd encourage you this morning to think about and explore what your own gifts might be. If we think back to my earlier examples, maybe you're that cook I mentioned before. And in that case, maybe you might be gifted for hospitality. Or if you're that numbers person, maybe you're gifted to help the church with their financial dealings. Or if you're a person that likes to cheer people up, maybe you are gifted to be an encourager. 
Or if you're a person who is good at teaching others, maybe you're gifted to be a preacher or a Bible study group leader. But at least for today, Paul focuses on five specific gifts that are given to individuals within the church to help its function and its growth. These gifts are generally referred to as governing ministries that prepare the church, so you and I, for good works. And so if we take a look at them, this includes apostles, individuals who knew Jesus personally and were called to establish and lead the church in its earliest days. We then also have prophets, so not fortune-telling individuals that we see in the movies, but rather those who are called to present God's timely message to the church, spurring them into action for their day. We also see that evangelists are included here. Those who are called to bring the gospel message to others, even potentially to dangerous locations and people groups, to bring them into the family of God. And lastly, but definitely not least, are the pastors and teachers, those who are shepherds, ministering to and guiding each of us in our daily walk with Christ, reminding us of God's message and enabling us to share that with others. But each of these gifts have the underlying purpose of pushing the church forward and upward in maturity, knowledge and the growth of God's kingdom. So let me return to my earliest example of a newborn baby. They are full of life and potential, aren't they? Yet the child does not know many things at that age, other than probably to suck on their dummy or cry when they need something. I um, actually got to meet my first ever nephew a couple weekends ago. And whilst he definitely is a bit of a cutie, he didn't do much other than lay in my arms and sleep the entire time I was there. However, uh, left alone, this child would surely die and not be able to grow up into the potential that they have. However, if the mother and father come alongside the baby, teaching them, feeding them and raising them, they are able to grow and fulfill their calling, living a fruitful and beneficial life, potentially impacting many others themselves. And it is the same for each new Christian. Their faith may falter and die without guidance, support or help. And whilst you may not specifically be a, a prophet or a teacher or a pastor, you are undoubtedly called to help these new Christians with your own gifts, to give them that same opportunity to mature and be a blessing like someone gave you when you first came to Christ. So think about your own life. Who has stood by you? Who has mentored and guided you? Uh, who has challenged you in your Christian walk? These are people we should be thankful for, people who we can appreciate, knowing that uh, we wouldn't be here without their support. So, however, as I look around this room, I also wonder what experiences and knowledge that I could learn from each of you as well. Each of us have an important part to play in God's kingdom, and maybe your next step is finding a young Christian or a Christian couple to disciple and mentor to pass on your own experiences and learnings to the younger generation. And maybe that comes in the form of some sort of one-to-one -one discipleship program, or maybe it comes in the form of leading a small Bible study group. But regardless of what form that might take, one thing is for certain, that we desperately need you in the church for your gifts and your skills and for your presence.
to shape others, to bless others, and to support others. And that is why it is so important that we continue to meet together and be involved in each other's lives like we would as a family. But what is the ultimate goal? Sure, we can be united as a family, and we should use our gifts to help each other. But why do we do that? Well, think about it this way. My wife, Ara, works in childcare and regularly comes home to tell me that uh, toddlers are definitely not as easy to handle as the babies, uh, especially when there's a large group of them together. There are arguments about who's going to use the toys. Uh, some are hungry and want food and others want to play outside when they're stuck inside. They all have a mind thinking about themselves and their own needs. And my wife needs to get involved in these situations and help them deal with their arguments and problems. And her goal when doing this is to help them grow up and realise that it's important to care for others, to help others. It isn't something that they would naturally do without being guided. And isn't this the same way for us as Christians sometimes? We can, at times, be immature and argue about unimportant things. Maybe we are a bit slow to forgive, or we change our opinions like the seasons. And that is why Paul is so focused on telling us to grow up and be mature. We see that Paul describes this maturity as being like Christ. In verse 13, Paul says that we should attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that is to say, to be like Christ in our actions, our thoughts, and even our attitudes. And this maturity helps us focus on using our gifts for the benefit of the church, and ultimately allows us to get over our petty differences and be united as one big family. In fact, <clears throat> the New Testament is full of calls to grow up and mature in Christ. For example, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says that we should crave spiritual milk, like a baby would, to grow up in our salvation. And Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 calls us to leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, like we would as children and teenagers transitioning to adulthood. And now Paul, in verse 14 of our scripture today, tells us that we should no longer be children who are likely to be tricked and tossed around by the difficulties that life throws at us. And so I like to view this maturity as what we would call sanctification. That God has set us apart from others and is shaping us to be like Christ. And I'm sure we all know that this is not some easy task that we can complete in a weekend, as much as we'd probably like that to be the case. But that it takes time, just like it takes a baby years to grow into an adult. And sometimes we can grow quickly in a short period of time like a growth spurt, and other times it might feel like, feel like we aren't growing much at all. I'm not sure if uh, any of you have had to new, hire new staff before and then coach them when they start their job, but I uh, get that opportunity quite often in my workplace where we hire um, graduates from university. And so when we hire these new staff, they generally have um, a lot of theoretical knowledge uh, from their classes, yet when it comes to applying this knowledge practically, they, they can struggle. And generally it's the first six to 12 months is when I see a period of large growth and even more so when they have a mentor helping them combine the, the theoretical knowledge with the practical experience. 
then they will settle into a, a more standard routine and uh, building on their knowledge and skills day by day and potentially having the opportunity to coach and mentor them, someone themselves eventually. However, as Paul mentions in verse 14, if we don't become mature, it can have devastating impacts where the person can be blown here and there, as it says, and potentially be taken advantage of. And in the case of new employees, uh, for me, in that circumstance, could mean that they might have to leave their job. And so that is why we have family, brothers and sisters in Christ, not just a pastor, to help each other grow up and be mature. To be like Christ. By supporting each other into Christ-like maturity, we have a solid ground that enables us to avoid false teaching and the deception of manipulative individuals who try to twist scripture for their own personal benefit. And so, as we leave these doors today, let us remember that we are called Christians, that we are called to follow and represent Christ. That the divisions that the world creates between us are meaningless in Christ's family. And so therefore, let us stand united together as one family, using the gifts that Christ has given each one of us for the benefit of the body of Christ, as we all try and become mature and to become like Christ in all the things that we do. This way, we help each other to fulfill our callings and to do good works for Christ. But what does this growth look like? Well, it's a supernatural growth, built on faithfulness and the passing of knowledge. Think about our history as Christians. The church began with Jesus, then 12 apostles, then 5,000 believers, and then even more. They started in one city and spread to the ends of the world. And the church has and will continue to grow and welcome in new believers, regardless of the world that we live in and what might be happening. And therefore, you are called to partake in that growth by sharing what God has given with you with others so that you may stand on your shoulders, so they may stand on your shoulders and continue to build upwards themselves. So what might you do here at Pasco Vale? I'm sure there is a need for growth, growing up as Christians and helping each other start that journey. New people might mean there is a requirement for hospitality or teaching. And for others, maybe it's the maintenance and stewardship of this beautiful building that we have. The church may be your focus and others still, it may be the faithful attendance and serving when needed that is most beneficial. So I encourage you this morning to continue to pursue that finish line, to be mature and to be like Christ in all things, to challenge and encourage each other to grow up and use the gifts that God has given you. The section of scripture we looked at today ends with the idea of each of us being a part of a body working together and performing the work we were designed for. And that is what I would like for us to conclude on today. Reading verses 15 and 16, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So let's go out of the church today. Let's do our work and what we were gifted to do. Let's be a united family and support each other as we travel through life together and grow up as Christians, representing Christ to the world, to those around us.